forever. Dog. Hi, guys. We have a really special episode today um, that was so much fun and so interesting to record back at San Diego Comic-Con this past year. First of all, sorry about the audio quality. I'll say this. We had some issues. Uh, the first 15 minutes or so were just recorded on my phone, so they're very uh, there's a lot of echo. And then uh, after the first 15 minutes, we actually did get a soundboard recording, so it does clear up considerably. Uh, but you should be able to enjoy all of it. It's, as I said, a special episode all about pop culture witches featuring some great pop culture witches uh, portrayers and writers um, as well as an actual practicing witch named Juliana Crouch, who was unbelievable. And this was her first panel ever. Uh, and she spoke so eloquently and so uh, delightfully about being a witch and what that means. Additionally, on this panel, we have Nell Scoville, our old pal, who is the creator of Sabrina the Teenage Witch. She also wrote for two seasons on the original Charmed. We have the co-showrunner of the Charmed reboot, Jessica O'Toole. That show is premiering this fall on CW. Uh, we were also joined by the phenomenal author, Tomi Adeyemi, who has written a novel called Children of Blood and Bone, which she describes as African the Last Airbender or Black Panther with Magic. Uh, it is since meeting Tomi, I've gotten to read the novel. She is a phenomenal writer uh, and just a lovely and such a smart person. Uh, so she has a lot of great stuff to share on this. And then finally, Ruth Connell, the actor who plays Rowena on Supernatural. She's been in something like the past 10 years of Supernatural, um, appearing in episodes almost every season. Uh, and she has a great perspective on playing a witch and what it means to be a witch. This is all, of course, in anticipation of the new comic book, Hexwives, which I wrote. Sorry. You're welcome? I don't know. I think you'll like it. Uh, here's the pitch for Hexwives. It is Bewitched plus the Stepford Wives. If that sounds interesting to you, please call up your local comic book shop, pre-order this book. It's a book that's very important to me. I wanted to write something, one that was fun and about pop culture witches because they are endlessly fascinating to me. Uh, and I like the way that the sort of witch tropes are changing over the years. Um, and two, I really wanted to write something about gender politics. Uh, I feel like I've had a lot of conversations uh, in the past 10 years about, which is how long I've been thinking about this book, uh, about, you know, the way that men and women treat each other, specifically the way that men treat and mistreat women. And uh, a lot of that has gone into this book. But it is additionally, you know, a scary and creepy and weird and sexy and gross um, horror story. Uh, my artist, Mirka Andalfa, is just unbelievable. Uh, she's doing some of her best work here. My colorist, Marissa Louise, is taking everything that Mirka and I do and making it just beautiful and making it sing. Uh, so I hope... You will check out the book to see the hard work that everybody is doing on it. Um, I'm very proud of how this book is coming out. It is, as I've talked about in the past, the first thing that I've written without a partner in 15 years. So, hey, I, I need your support, everyone, because I'm alone. I mean, except for my amazing collaborators. Um, the book is out on Halloween. But as I said, pre-orders are very important. So if Hexwives sounds interesting to you, call up your local comic book store, say, I would like to order a copy of Hexwives, and then on Halloween, you go in, you pay four bucks, and you take it home. At that point, you probably want to pre-order issue two, which has the least sexy, most creepy sex scene in all of comic books. <laughs> I have a hundred issues of this book that I would like to write. I have so many stories uh, that I want to tell with these characters and in this world and with these collaborators, my editors and my artists and, and colorists, that uh, the only way I'm going to get to do that is if you pre-order Hexwives. If you don't know where your local comic shop is, go to comicshoplocator.com, put in your zip code, and it'll tell you. You can also go to comicsology.com, C-O-M-I-X-O-L-O-G-Y.com, uh, and you can pre-order the book there digitally and then read it on your computer, your iPad, or your phone. 
Don't read it on your phone, though. It, it looks – it's such a pretty book. It should be on a bigger screen if you're going to read it digitally. Um, anyway, that's it. All I ask is for $4 from you. We've done 410 episodes of this. Have I ever asked for $4 before? <laughs> so please help support me, help support the book, uh, help support this podcast by pre-ordering Hex Wives from your local comic shop, and enjoy this really fun, really deep dive into pop culture witches with these this amazing coven of witches. They write, they talk, and talk about what they write. Tune in tonight, or whenever the time is right. It's the Writer's Panel with Ben Blacker, and it's starting now. Oh, yeah! <laughs> what we are going to do is, starting here with our friend Nels Goble, please introduce yourself and uh, tell us a little bit about where we've seen your name before and uh, your witch cred. My, my witch cred. Um, so I have been a TV writer for and director for a very long time. Um, not as long as witches have been around, but close. <laughs> uh, so my Comic-Con cred, I would say, is The Simpsons. I've written for The Simpsons. I wrote the Fugu episode. <laughs> I, uh, and I... Warehouse 13. Wrote for Warehouse 13. <laughs> I love that show. I was on that show for three seasons. I worked on Monk. And um, my... Let me give also your real cred that I love. She was on Coach, which was a great show. Look, Coach is a good show. Uh, Coach and uh, Murphy Brown as well. Oh, yeah. yeah, not too bad. The witch cred. So the witch cred. The witch cred is solid. So not only did I spend two seasons as co-EP of Charmed, which included Shannon Doherty's last year and Rose McGowan's first, because <laughs> I did something really horrible in some past life. <laughs> well, they're delightful. Um, but uh, bigger than that is I created Sabrina the Teenage Witch. And I mean, just to give Mel a little more credit, uh, she's the co-author of Lean In uh, with Cheryl Sandberg. Uh, and she also has a new memoir called Just the Funny Parts, uh, which is about her wild success in Hollywood, uh, dealing with a lot of terrible men. <laughs> and a lot of wonderful men. A lot and of we're, we're going to give the book away to the best questions, Absolutely. so start thinking of good questions yes. to anyone. Well, uh, tell me. I like this because you're like, men are awful. <laughs> Magic, what can I put in my show? So I had to pull that out for him, of course. 
Um, I don't want to give away too much of the episode, but there's so many aspects of magic and witchcraft and what it means to be a witch. He's just as much a feminist as I am, and it's such a great thing to have in showrunners right now. Absolutely. Um, so yeah, and I was out in Prague meeting the directors and producers and talking witchcraft and magic and this whole world. Yeah, make sure to get it right. That's really cool. Yeah. <laughs> um, I want to ask, we'll give you a very easy question to begin with, and I'll start here again with Nell. Who are some of your favorite pop culture witches? Uh, Hermione. <laughs> she's up there, and um, I think because she she's trained, a lot of these other witches are untrained. They're sort of amateurs, but she's, she's the pro witch. <laughs> yeah, just to not say Hermione again because that's, you know, brightest witch of her age. Um, I would say Storm from X-Men, and even though the X-Men are mutants, um, Storm is actually like this African goddess, like inspired by the Orisha, so... Inspiration <laughs> there. Um, I grew up watching The Witch It Reached Scotland as well as Superman. <laughs> yeah. And also, I grew up reading the worst which oh. uh, yeah, she was one of my, my, my favorites. Um, I also, uh, my, the first thing I ever did when I was four years old, um, uh, VHS-wise, is I, I ruined the tape. I watched The Lion of Witch in the Wardrobe so many times. Uh, and, I, <laughs> 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 and one of my biggest pleasures of my career was to be in The Lion of Witch in the Wardrobe. However, I sadly was just Mrs. Beaver. <laughs> What what was the attraction to the White Witch? She was so powerful, and she had all the Turkish delight. <laughs> and I, I I got my head and went there. <laughs> uh, I was more Edwin than Lucy. Uh, yeah, and I think it, it, it's a cartoon, American cartoon version, and I thought it was beautiful, and she was fantastic, and to be able to turn people in, into stone and to have that much power and control, which is one of the things that we were talking about. But it's fascinating to have a little four-year-old that it's got in general, yeah. Yeah, and, and just you know, bewitched, I just try really hard to wiggle me. And my character, I play, I didn't mean to, but I since I've adopted Indora's wing. Oh, good. Um, people take online as a homage, which, I'm, which I will now probably claim. <laughs> Back into the homage. Uh, Jessica? Um, I love the White Witch, too. And Hermione, of course, and the original Farm Sisters. Um, but I'm going to bring it back to the preschool again, because I know it's not quite pop culture, but I remember even in high school, when I was in the play, I remember thinking, it's weird that the hero of the show is like the middle-aged guy, like, sleepless this <laughs> maid, and then fires her, and then she's the bad girl, and the cause of all, like, the Salem witch trials and everything, and I kind of felt like all those girls from that play should have been, like, the center of the story, and so that was kind of one of my earliest notions of, like, witchcraft, that something that kind of relates to feminism and how you think about women and the type of women we demonize in the world, and... Yeah, I feel like the, the other metaphor of the crucible yeah, is right, always what's yeah. taught, right? Yeah. The, the uh, blacklist and all of that. Uh, but, but it's a, such a great feminist story, or could have the potential yeah. to be. Yeah. Right? And it's, it's something we don't dig into. It's interpreted that way, or like portrayed. No. Like, no. But that's kind of how I always kind of like, I want to hear the Abigail story. Absolutely. Like if if you are creators out right. there, do it. I try to do it wicked. Like, what's her side? How yeah. did she end up in that situation? Yeah, yeah, yeah. As a teenager, and, you know. Reclaim it. Yes. Absolutely. Uh, Juliana, who are your, some of your pop culture witches? Samantha, always, from yeah. the start. She was sexy and cute. And, you know, she was like, oh, I'm not one of those old hags that she was like stirring her cauldron. She's sexy and fun. But practical magic was one that I think really affected me. They were the sisters, they were feminists, they had a sisterhood, and then the aunts, you know, and they're old Catherine Giddy ways, and they didn't care what the society said about them. They were just powerful and beautiful. And, Sexual, and I think we need to see that. Let's, also, what's that witch movie with the four girls in The Crab? The Crab. Yeah, that was nice too. Okay, thank you. <laughs> I really was just asking a question out of curiosity. <laughs> and, and nobody said Ursula, who technically oh, is a her. sea witch. So there was a. What does the sea stand for? <laughs> In Hexwise, uh, 
part of building the coven of characters was to look at a lot of these pop culture witches and say, which ones do I love and which ones do I want to do a contemporary spin on? And Ursula was one of them, Sabrina was one of them, um, uh, Veronica Lake and I Married a Witch, you guys remember that movie? It was a great character. Um, I want to ask you all about, you know, uh, Juliana, you brought up the, the hag character. The portrayal of witches as a dangerous woman, as you know, the Crucible is sort of the best example of this, right? These women didn't actually have power, literally or figuratively, uh, and they were crucified for it. Um, let's talk a little bit about that portrayal in pop culture uh, of where the witch tropes come from and maybe where they're going. Some of you have been part of where they're going. Mary to Satan and being, you know, cast in that light, they'd come from more of a Christian mindset. It was more of a retaliation to Christianity, the whole Satan idea of it. And I think that's where the old hag stigmas getting shoved at, um, because that's not what witchcraft is about at all. It's very nature-oriented and more in the lines of practical magic and Sabrina, like sisterhood. But it is more of a masculine, patriarchal, you know, taking away our power, taking away our youth and our sexuality and our power to give us nothing and, and make that. So I'm so glad to see that TV is catching up with it and making us superheroes almost. Yeah, uh, Tony, we were talking before about uh, creating sort of the magical world of your book. And first, the reasons for going into that. Do you want to, do you want to talk about just yeah, the reasons for doing it? Earlier, I mentioned to the view of like powerful women as demonic and we need to burn this. This is very bad for all of society is also kind of a very Western view, whereas it's not totally the same in other cultures. And for my book, um, it's it was inspired by seeing like African gods and goddesses for the first time in my life. And it was so clear that they were beautiful and powerful and sacred. And when I learned the religion and mythology behind it and seeing it's like, oh, this is something that hundreds of millions of people celebrate. It sort of reinforced for me that idea that it's, I think the, the Western view of like burn the witches just comes from any idea of women with power. Mm -hmm. And it's like, maybe they figuratively burn, or no, they literally burn them before, <laughs> but we still do it now. Um, we still destroy people and we destroy powerful women and the idea of women seeking power at all. And so that is just something I think is societal. But within my book, I also wanted to write about the black experience and the big metaphor throughout, I guess the metaphor, the theme or lesson throughout my life has been that like society will teach you to hate what makes you magical. Um, and it'll literally take that magic away from you. And so you'll look at it and you'll be like, oh, this is horrible. So I took that and made it real in the book. So the characters do have magic and it's taken away and they're told to hate themselves or even having the potential to do magic. And throughout the story, they discover like, oh, we have a chance to get it back. So it's sort of like, oh, this is amazing. It's literally magical, but it's magical inside. Um, and I think that's, you know, that's a part of the black experience when they teach you to hate your hair, hate your skin. But I think that's, everyone experiences that. Women, other marginalized identities, it's like, oh, hate this thing about yourself that is actually the source of your power. Mm -hmm. um, and I think it's kind of a tactic because if you teach someone to hate what makes them powerful, you keep them weak. And I think in a perfect world, if you gave if you empowered women in a vacuum, there would be nothing dangerous about it. But I think when you're coming from a society that often puts people down and then those people take their power back, it's not surprising that sometimes it does become vengeful or sometimes it does take that turn. I don't think that's, you can't like, I guess, get to a productive future just on that. But initially I'm not mad. If you get your power and go a little, do some sure. things, but I shouldn't say that. It's, it's interesting that you're saying that it's a more westernized viewpoint. I also think um, it's also where we are in time. I was in Faust, and one of the revelations to me, I was, eight, I was 30 years old, and I finally understood I was living in a patriarchal society. Uh, it was news to me. Uh, and, um, and, and being in Faust, playing uh, one of the women I played was a grey eye. Now, the four wise women who were essentially old, old witches who had sight, who, you know, who had insight and were venerated and loved by their culture. And it's true that in cultures where women are seen in that way, they live longer. <laughs> yeah, and so I, I definitely see um, the way that uh, 
women and feminism and, fe and femininity has been viewed has been we've been suppressed by the patriarchal society and part of what's happening now is that um, femininity and not, not just feminism but femininity is being allowed or we're, we're allowing ourselves to flourish and be less afraid be less afraid to be a witch or to be witchy uh, I definitely see it as a t it's not just about where we are in the world it's where we are in time in the process yeah, Nell, I wanted to ask you about in, in the creation of Sabrina uh, for TV. Uh, obviously, it was based on the, the Archie comic yeah. character, but it was a big reimagining for television. Um, what, were the, what was your thought process? What were the, the conversations you had with yourself, with others, about finding the metaphor? Uh, what is this show really about, and how did you put it on screen? Well, let me ask the audience a question. Would you do me a favor? Raise your hand if you've ever tried to move an object with your mind, right? Okay, now keep your hand up if you've ever been able to do it. Oh. Okay, yeah, yeah, one hand stayed up. And, um, <laughs> that was a Jedi, that was just a Jedi. And, um, so, and raise your hand now if you've ever stubbed your toe or dropped the glass or been in a car accident and wish, like, if I could just go back 10 seconds. Is this... Okay, and now keep your hand up if you've actually been able to do that. <laughs> read, read people's minds, anyone? We'll just skip the first part and assume we've all tried that. So this is the wish, and it's not, and, and what witches do, I mean, those are the powers of the charm ones, um, is it's wish fulfillment. It's what we wish we could do. And then you give those powers, those imaginary powers, and it's... I think it's fun. I think you relate to that person because you, you wish you could do it. Yeah. So, so that's how I sort of approach Sabrina. For those of you who have created witch stories uh, or witch-like stories, what's the baggage that comes with the witch trope? What is the stuff you have to figure out your way around and how to use? I mean, Jessica, we were talking about this a little bit earlier. With just warts. <laughs> it's hard to turn into a metaphor. We didn't really think of it as baggage, I guess. I mean, the baggage is that strong and powerful women were considered threatening and witches and things like that. I think uh, in this cultural moment, though, now a lot of us are kind of embracing that powerful side or even our anger, um, which isn't something you really were allowed to be as a woman. And now we sort of, I don't know, I think that you our current political moment and even things happening in Hollywood that it's sort of like, oh, well, we're not going to just sit back and take it anymore because that didn't work. So um, we kind of think of it all as not really as baggage. Like, I don't know. It doesn't even, I mean, I love that now I don't even think witch has a negative connotation so much anymore. Yeah. You know, it's, um, which is just kind of interesting and yeah, weird. Like it's, that just sort of happened. Um, so instead it's all been about kind of, uh, for our show, like these women finding their voices mm -hmm. um, and their powers are always kind of a metaphor for that, I think. And the demon, as are the demons that they're going to encounter. Oh, interesting. Yes. I, I, I think it literally has changed in the four years that I've played a witch. I literally, yeah. it has shifted. <laughs> yeah. For it's sure. very fast. I had my own <laughs> stigma about, yeah, yeah, I had my own perception. I tried to concentrate uh, on Rowena as being more of a career woman and just, this is what she happened to be good at. Uh -huh. Shying away from embracing fully that how, how cool it was just to be a witch. And uh, yeah, th that's changed for me. Yeah. And she, it's, it's, yeah, it was, it's a bad word to call them you witch. Right, right, right. It's right, a bad yeah. word, but not, maybe not anymore. Yeah, and I, and I kind of think that uh, younger women now just sort of see it like that from, from, when they're kids, like one of our assistants on the show said that she thinks that all girls have like a witch phase because it's the only um, kind of historical tradition that's not all about the relationships with men. It's so girly. It's just women, you know? Um, Sisterhood. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'd like to actually hear more about that from all of you, um, this idea of the relationships with men and being Defined. I mean, we, again, if we look at the crucible as one of the keystones, right, of witch pop culture, mm -hmm. uh, that pretty much defines witches as men define them, right? They are horror figures. Mm -hmm. um, in Sabrina, this is you were saying earlier. There are three women are the first on the call sheet. 
three women behind the scenes who are the three uh, top producers uh, and writers. Um, it was a witch. <laughs> yeah, I'm angry. I did it with my but Sabrina's also a teenager. And so there's going to be these sort of romantic relationships as well. Was this something that you took into account? Like, I, and again, uh, this show was on for seven years. I apologize. I haven't yeah, seen all no, of them. Well, a couple of things. We did, you know, Drell, who was played by my friend Penn Gillette, it's amazing, was the head of the Witches' Council. And, and uh, Skippy, played by Teller, was also on the Witches' Council. So uh, there were men in that right. world. Uh, you know, Sabrina was just a way to run all the old teenage stories through this, you know, this new lens. And so suddenly you have a story where the, the teenager can't find the date for the prom. And so the aunts say, we'll make one out of Mando, you know, <laughs> not, not actually it was non-baked Mando. And, um, you know, and you get Brian Austin Green, but, but then you just pick up all the old, you know, yeah. emotions that come with it. Uh, and on, was Charmed a, the original Charmed series, was it a different kind of story? I mean, that was like a lot of the Warner Brothers, the WB shows and the UPN shows at the time as soap opera. Yeah, we, I, it was, we were trying to scare people, mm -hmm. you know, which Sabrina did not try to scare people. No. <laughs> um, but it was TGIF. But, uh, yeah, the, I mean, and I assume the new Charmed is doing yes. that even yeah. more so. Yeah. Definitely, yeah. So I'm curious to hear about the role of horror. I mean, I, yeah. I said before, witches are filed under horror, mm -hmm. right? They're in the same category as vampires and, and yeah. uh, Frankensteins. This seems to come from a place of fear, right? Yeah. The people doing that kind of designation are men. Uh, and so powerful women are scary. But that seems inescapable from the trope itself, you know? Uh, so in, in your work... Uh, and I'll, I'll open this to all of you. I mean, Ruth, uh, Rowena started as a scary character. She's a villain, mm -hmm. right? Is that linked to what a witch is? Is that inescapable? Um, <clears throat> see, I, I just saw Rowena as a survivor. My first episode was called Soul Survivor. And she's lived for 365 years. And she's still going. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I, I, that's where I came that's yeah. where I came at it uh, from. And it didn't even occur to me that I was in a horror show. <laughs> <laughs> I just didn't. I just, yeah. So maybe that helped me in a way. I just, you know, to, to, to go past that. Um, it's interesting now with the, the, the fans, the feedback I'm getting is that as we've seen more human elements to her uh, and that more recently, uh, how much the, the fans have enjoyed that and seeing her as a well-rounded, mm -hmm. more well-rounded creature. If she's not a human, um, so I don't. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Is the answer? Uh, well, I imagine part of that, and and those of you who have written these sort of longer running things, or even a, you know a novel, is, is uh, goes pretty deep. Um, you have to face the idea that a villain never thinks she or he is the <laughs> villain, right? You have to understand your villains. Uh, whatever they are. But I'm curious to hear about the horror in the upcoming... Uh... Lord, yeah. <laughs> it's scary. I can't even watch all of it. I'm like, ah! But, yeah, powerful women. Powerful, scary women. Like, there is... Whether you can be empowered witch, and I'm a good one, but there are people who go a little darker and get in more stuff. Like, I'm not judging it, but... You know, to each his own. Uh, I want to talk about this. I want to get into the nuts and bolts. What does it mean to be a practicing witch? What do you do? I celebrate the Sabbaths. We have 80 year. There's Yule, which hits at Christmas time, which, you know, give them the ideas for all the candles and the tree decorating. We have a star, which hits at um, Easter time, reawakening the spring. I do Sabbaths. I have uh, a community of women that get together and celebrate. We'll do ritual bonfires, empower each other. I run goddess circles so we can... Um, lift each other up. They're all like amazing, incredible women, successful. And, you know, we, we're a community and we need that and throw a little magic in it. And it's not straight. You can't say, I'm not, I can, I'm a witch, so I can't be a Catholic. You can, it's older. It's older than any religion that's been going on for thousands and thousands and thousands of years. So get into your sacred feminine and pull up what kind of, you know, if you care less about being judged and just open your own power. 
you can do so much with it. And I think when we see evil and scary stuff, especially in my husband's shows, like he'll take like what he did in Exorcist. He'll take the woman, which he'll base on me <laughs> as the perfect wife. And then he'll have a demon take her over. So you can like the whole scary contrast of that is our toxic feminine attributes. And I even is- think the idea of fear is like, like women are scary. And I don't think it's a bad thing. Like a mom lifting a car off of her baby or like a mother bear, like a cub and a mother bear. Like, I think that ferocity, it's not, it's not bad to be scary and powerful. Like I just, I recently watched the, yeah, yeah, it's not bad. (laughs) Because I do think the, the horror element comes from the male gaze because we talked about how like ogres and trolls are scary, but they're not, they're still classified as fantasy. Like it was news to me that witches are considered horror. Um, but I think I keep, I watched the Netflix special recently and it was with an Australian comic named Hannah Gatsby. Um, and it's really good. It's everyone should watch it. Um, but she has one line in it where she's like, she's not saying like fight me, but she's basically, she, was ta- she talks about an experience she had when she was younger and very vulnerable. And she talks about it now. And she kind of challenges someone to come at her. Cause she's like, there is nothing stronger than a broken woman who's rebuilt herself. So I think even with magic or non-magic, like there is fear, like you should be scared of a woman you have angered, <laughs> whether she can like, you know, because there, there's a ferocity that it's, it's yeah, it's, it's unmatched. I've never you see, you see rage in men, and you still see things you should be terrified of. But that sort of cold blooded, like I am thinking before I go at you, because it's not going to be one strike. I'm going to make it hurt. Like I only see that in women. So it's something we um, oh sorry, it's something we talk about in, in Charmed that you know traditionally it's you want to hide your witchly identity of course, because then people will think you, they'll be terrified of you and think you're freaks and that we want our girls to sort of be questioning like, well, why shouldn't we let them be scared of us? What are they, you know, what are they going to do? We're the witches. They can't, you know? Um, so. <laughs> One excited future yeah. viewers. So. <laughs> but, and I think you undercut the horror with the sisterhood because it's sort of like an ad fab when you have Patsy and Adina, they're horrible, but because they love each other. Yeah. They, like, yeah. The sisters love each other so they can go and be badass, but then they come back yeah. and they make their tea and yeah. Exactly. And witches are in three because they all go to the ladies' room together. I sometimes think my character has survived longer than most other female characters. But what, what I tried to do was find the relish and, and enjoyment of what um, Rowena was doing. Like you can pin somebody to a wall and it's just nasty, and, or you can really enjoy the fact that you can pin them to the wall. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Look at that. I wish you guys had the view I just had. I was just like, oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, that was so beautiful. Uh, I spoke to another practicing witch recently who was telling me a little bit about bad magic, about sending bad things out into the world. Yes. you want to talk a little bit about sure. that? Sure. Um, well, most of us pagans, I'm going to say we're all a little different, but the general idea is going along with karma, but what you send out does follow the rule of three, which is a big number for us. It'll come back to you threefold. So I can be as nice and wonderful and giving, and it's going to come back and I, my life is going to be very successful, but I can, I can harbor a lot of negative energy and thoughts and it's going to come back as well, especially when pointed at someone else. I would never intend to do that. Some do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> But you have, we have our own power. We can send out and get back the way we want. Yeah, and it's very much believe in karma. Coming right back to you. Yeah, that's, it's an interesting thing to me, and this is a little bit uh, of a sidetrack, but I'm always curious to hear from creators uh, of these magic worlds about creating the rules of magic. Uh, this was a big question for me as I was working on Hexwives, and I was just like, I don't know, I'll figure it out later. But they're like, no, you need to know how this stuff works. Um, oh, yeah. on, on this new Charmed, tell us a little bit about that, if you would, please. Well, we had, you know, this huge mythology to draw from, which certainly helped. Yeah, um, yeah it is interesting because in some ways magic can make things easier because you can kind of write your way out of things using it. But on the other hand, you don't want it to feel random. You know, yeah. you want their powers to be related to who they are as people and affected by who they are as people. Um, so that was one of the things where kind of the rules came from. And you don't want it to be too easy for them to get out of things, too. 
Um, so you kind of want checks on their power is another thing. Um, yeah, like, you know, one of our characters has the power to stop time, which is one of, could be kind of shut down any story, you know? Sure. Um, but so you have to make sure that it doesn't always work depending on what's going on in our life or it's erratic and it doesn't work on demons or things like that. So it's always just kind of uh, making sure that they have enough power to do their job and that it's not so powerful that it kind of, you, there aren't big stakes for them. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, tell me, was your experience similar in, in writing? Yeah, for me, the way I write and the way I think it's easier, especially with like really long novels, like the book is almost like 600 pages, but it's fun. <laughs> <laughs> it's fun. People read it quickly. So um, it's for me, I go imagination first and I go just go full imagination, full. Here's what I want. Here's what's going to happen. Here's what's in my head. Um, and it's when I go back and revise that it then has to make sense or there has to be those good limitations or, oh yeah, this is too easy and that's actually messy with this clan's magic here, so we're going to have to divide that. Because um, I revise my book again and again and again. Like maybe the final draft is maybe around draft 40 and it's the world building and the magic that changed the most. So much so that I, I need to reread it because I don't, we change so much just to make it all fit in the end. Um, but yeah, but that's what I, for when I'm talking to writers, I'm like, just go with your imagination. It's so much easier to fix on the page yeah. and then you can change it based off character arcs and plot lines and world building. But it's like, you have to start with something. Yeah. Otherwise, at least for me, I would just get tied up in a knot in my own head and not go anywhere. Yeah, I think that's good advice. And Nell, I want to ask about Sabrina, but I want to ask about Charmed first. When you arrived there, were the rules firm like were things set up were you given a list of like here's what can happen (laughs) i do remember that piper's uh power was she could stop time Mm -hmm. but then that was wasn't visual enough so then she could also explode (laughs) things yeah they added (laughs) and and they did keep adding things and then um Paige could orb at right. one point. And she was half so, later. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you got to keep it. <laughs> it's flexible. The story yeah. moving. You know, Warehouse 13 had a great rule for all the artifacts that you could use it, but there was always a downside. So, you know, if you rang Pavlov's bell, it would attract dogs, but you would start drooling uncontrollably. <laughs> well, they did that in Char- the original Charm, too, that you, if you use your powers for a personal gain, that it, it blows back on you, which is yeah. also useful, because otherwise it would be hard to have any problems if you can just, right. you know. Yeah. I know that the writers have explained to me it's tricky sometimes with Rowena because you need to have jeopardy. If there's a witch there that can just cast a spell, there's no jeopardy. Right. right. So most of my obstacles have been internal. Mm-hmm. Or personality, or just you know the things you come up against with your own your own perception of or your own power. Yeah, there's been times where I walked away in one season. Then one season, I had the book of the damned. I had everything. I literally was the most powerful person in the room, and I came back the, the next season. That I hadn't done anything with it. <laughs> 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 you know, so I think it's always that's what we're trying. Yeah. That, that's what we're trying to overcome uh, as as women, uh, as witches, <laughs> as, as characters, as our own internal blocks. Well, and, and for those of us writing fiction, it's what makes a compelling character, right? Is It's way more interesting if the problem comes from inside of her. Um, all right, I want to make sure we have time for questions from all of you. There's a microphone right here in the middle. If you have a question, please line up with the microphone. Um, when you get there, I'm going to ask you to please keep your question to one sentence long. Before you say your one sentence that ends in a question mark, uh, I'm going to ask you to tell me who is your favorite pop culture witch? Yes, sir. Yes, uh, Rowena is my favorite witch. Good answer. I want to know, um, since a little sneak peek before Sunday's Supernatural panel, uh, do you know kind of how much you're going to be a part of next season? I know, I know a minute. <laughs> it's good to work, which, which, I, which is no small feat. Um, I'm, I think I was the longest running woman. Sam Smith, I think, is just overtaking me. But um, I know I'm in it. I'm really fortunate that they keep writing for me, even though I, I started the show as the mother of the King of Hell. I was defined by my relationship to Crowley. Now I'm just Rowena, which is amazing. Yeah. Um, so I'm, just, I'm, I'm aware um, that I'm lucky just to be alive. Uh, or undead um, and alive in the show at all. Uh, I can't give you any spoilers because I literally don't know. Um, I had the writers round at my house for tea last week. I tried to pump them for information. They gave me nothing. (laughs) All right, thank you. Go ahead. 
The White Witch is my favorite witch. Good one. My question is this idea of the limitations that we put on witches seems to me to, to mimic the limitations we put on women, right? So why the artificial limits when we as women don't have any? You mean the in terms of like... For the magic. Yeah. Oh, okay. Right? Well, really because it makes it hard to write interesting stories if they're so powerful that they can solve any problem without any drawback. So it's not so much that they're like minimally powerful. It's just so that they're have, so you're, you're giving them something to struggle with, you know, yeah, that I they need obstacles. It's a but, dramatic uh, question. But also for real women, I do think like, yeah, there are no limits to the power, but a lot of women are born knowing that. Right. It takes several right. decades for a lot of people to unlock that knowledge. So Especially I do young think, women. yeah, so it's like it's, logistical, but it also mirrors real life. Yes. I think yeah, that's we're well, very good. Yeah. Until we see witches as witches are in society, those women can be, can be limitless. You know, I, my magic does work. It's not sparkly and make things happen instantly, but it works. And I would love to see these women portrayed. Yeah. Great. Next question. We do have to sort of rush through these. I apologize. Uh, I talk too much. Go ahead. Who's um, your witch? Favorite witch. Um, it's a cross between Zelly and um, <gasps> the red woman in uh, Game of Thrones. So this question is for Tomi. Um, So if you watch a lot of, um, or you're aware of the witch trope, uh, the coven or the community is a big part of it. And oftentimes it's like the amplification of power. And it actually happens in your, um, in Children of Blood and Bone as well. And if you think about the role that you're playing and using your creativity, say as like magic and using that for the Pan-African or black community, um, what role do you think you play in creating kind of a creative coven and reaching back to, you know, those who are creating content and doing similar things um, on the African continent and what that means in terms of just the larger trope and the magic of creativity? I think that's an incredible question. Uh, I think for me, it's two parts. One part is the very logistical, like, you know, when I meet writers, especially marginalized writers, it's like, hey, here's what I wish someone told me, um, because you think it's all these things. And then there's just some, there's just like a sheet of information that would be really good to pass around. So on the like quick and easy, it's like getting that information to people, amplifying people. A lot of times I'll meet, right. Well, I guess I shouldn't say this because I'll probably be taken advantage of, but I have an online writing class and sometimes I'll meet writers. I'll be like, just give me your email. I'll get you one for free. Um, so it's like just doing little things like that. And then I think as a creative person, what this experience has taught me is that I, when I started my, my book has a lot to do with police brutality. And when I started it, I felt very helpless and very, like very powerless. Um, and the book was sort of this journey to me realizing I, like I, you have to be complicit in giving your power up, even against something that feels as helpless as, okay, but you're this officer of the law with a gun in my face. Um, and even most recently, last week, I had an encounter with the police and I felt powerless in that moment. But then I, like, I told the story, I put it out there and I was just like, oh, okay, you know? And like in that moment, and you see it like, I'm sorry, I'm kind of violent. I haven't heard anyone though. Um, but yeah, in that moment, I felt so powerless. But as soon as I had my voice back, I'm like, oh, this is it. Like, I feel like my, my position is to continue to remind people that you have your voice, whether it's, whether the fear is the police or the fear is these detention centers or it's the government or it's, it's like, can I, am I in control of my, like my body? I think it's just endless, these things that make us feel like we can't do something. So that's sort of how I see where I am right now. It's to logistically help people get to their dreams, but also to remind everyone that like, even in the face of the thing you fear most, you can still reclaim your voice. Great. Hermione. Okay, I've heard, I think the most common word I've heard mentioned today was power. So my question is, what is power to you? I think it's what you just said. I think it's using your voice and finding your voice and not being afraid of it. And not letting anything or anyone shrink you. I feel like we all have the same power, but then some people get big and they make you feel really small. So it's being like, I'm the same size as you, yeah. or I'm smaller, but I hit harder. So, yeah. I think power can be quiet, it can be, it can be loud, it can be whatever it means to you, and it's to intrinsically find your own essence and not be afraid to be your essence and to, to have that 
and exist in the world. That's power. And, and to the woman who asked about why do we limit our powers, I would say we control our powers. And, and that's what a lot of these shows are about. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yes, sir. Uh, Piper Hallowell and Sabrina's close second. I actually have more of a comment for now, and I just want to let you know that Sabrina got me through a lot of hard times as a teenager. And two years ago, I came to Comic-Con, and I was really depressed. And the energy that Comic-Con told me to pay attention to was my inner child, and Sabrina was part of that. And ever since now, I'm creating my own comic book about it, and it's going to hopefully be released next year. Give him the book. Yeah. <laughs> Let's get the next question. Hold on. Next question. Next question. Um, favorite witch, Luna Lovegood. Good one. So my question is, given the different choices of names that or titles that we could give our characters, like sorceress versus sorcerer, wizardess versus wizard, um, we choose, uh, you know, witch instead of that. Mm -hmm. Or like even like um, J.K. Rowling chose witch to pair with wizard instead of wizardess. Mm -hmm. And I'm curious what your opinion is on why we favor the term witch over alternative terms. I always thought that was very interesting in Harry Potter that she did that because it's clearly a positive thing. She was making it into a, a positive thing. Um, okay. Well, I was where we're claiming the word, you uh -huh. know, I, they're, they're taking the negative power away from it. I could say I'm Wiccan. I could say I'm pagan. And I sometimes do. But when I say I'm a witch, people take me a little more seriously, and I like that. And I think it works. Yeah. It, it works for all these shows, too. It's about witches. Yeah. Oh, it's exciting. Yeah. Where it's like, oh, this is about pagans. Mm -hmm. Not as it's thrilling. <laughs> That's not more normal. Yeah, goodness. It's a powerful word. All right, favorite witch is Sheik from The Legend of Zelda. Anyway, the question I wanted to ask you, ladies, is um, do you make the distinction between there being good witches and bad witches? So what are those distinctions? Or if not, do you think there's a sort of unifying ethical framework that witches operate within? Well, on, on my show, we're not having bad witches. We have witches who don't follow the rules, but we're not defining them as bad. Because, um, you know, I, I just, similarly to how we think about women, you know? Um, so yeah, we don't. <laughs> We have, there, there's the, our witches are the superheroes and there are some who don't do, always do the right thing. And, um, but, and then there are some who try too hard to regulate our witches who are also witches. So we've, they're sort of as complex as I think humans are and women. I am not a bad witch. <laughs> <laughs> You're a businesswoman. Exactly, you right. woman. Next right. Hi, uh, Ty, no one said Willow yet. So. Yeah, yeah, right? Uh, Ty with Sabrina. You, know about it. I, you guys either portray witches or write about witches. What has been sort of your favorite, most supreme thing you've been able to do as something, obviously, that you can do, but everybody else might not be able to, so writing for or portraying a witch? I have never said the word sorry, Sabrina. <laughs> That's my number one takeaway. Right. Permission not to ever say sorry. Yeah, what is the wish fulfillment uh, any of you have been able to uh, have by writing these supernatural characters? We built a flan that was eight <laughs> feet across in, you know, the diameter. Um, we had a lint monster jump out of the dryer. <laughs> um, so that's just the fun of the imagination. Yeah. I really want a dog. And so my character has a giant lion, and it's just the puppy that I want to cuddle with. So that's my direct wish fulfillment. That's great. You know, for me, as a witch married to a writer, showrunner, I get to inspire it, and I get to live it, and then have my version of witchcraft seen by millions, which is awesome. Right. So I feel huge wish fulfillment from that. Nice. And Jessica can't give us any spoilers, so. I know, I, I can't. All right, we have time for two more questions. I'm sorry, they're gonna kick us out of here. Hi, um, my favorite witch is Phoebe Hallowell. My question is <laughs> that um, I've heard magic be described as science that we don't understand yet. Do you agree or disagree? Yes. Where do, yes, where do you that's, that's you a theme in lore, one of the episodes. <laughs> well, the, the flip is Arthur C. Clarke said that any advance 
technology will seem like magic. Yes. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that's science the flip. itself is pretty magical too, I think. Yeah. yeah. Good. It's, science, worth, it's science, we'll have a whole panel about it next yeah, year. Yeah. <laughs> science and physics don't disprove magic either. That's yeah. the thing. They're all they're all aligning now, aren't they? Yeah. We just love science and the magical because it defines mm -hmm. what we've been able to do. One of our characters on Charmed is a scientist, and we did that on purpose because we thought, what an interesting character, someone who really believes that everything needs evidence and um, to get powers, you know. Yeah. And so she has this idea that she's going to discover the science of witchcraft, and that's something she's oh, going to pursue. Really nice. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Uh, all right. Last question. Um, Who's your witch? Favorite witch, I'm going to go with Jenny Calendar, short-lived but well-loved. Good one. Um, That's a good one. Um, so my question, actually related to Jenny Calendar, I feel like the stigma has fallen away, um, as we've talked about a lot, which is taking their power back. I feel like the next step in, in power, taking power, would be uh, moving into technology. Do mm -hmm. any of you see that way forward as far as the next step in which is taking power in society? You mean um, electronic brooms? <laughs> you know what? I, I think the future is, too. We're seeing um, technology going along with a lot of wisdom and future thinking. And I, I want to see, I love all the young, which is inspiring. The girls, my daughter, I have two daughters, and they love witches, and mom's a hero because mom's a witch. I want to see more of the older, wiser. I would love to see scientific witches. You know, I would love to see a powerful woman who is cool and sexy and fun and not like demonized or hated. Um, we do need to see science and magic go together. Yeah. And I think that's a great way. And, and I would love to see the current witch hunt get its witch. <laughs> <laughs> right. Please give a round of applause for all of our panelists. Find them on Twitter. They're all on Twitter. They all have cool stuff. Forever. This has been a Forever Dog production. Executive produced by Brett Boehm, Joe Cilio, and Alex Ramsey. For more original podcasts, please visit foreverdogpodcasts.com and subscribe to our shows on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Keep up with the latest Forever Dog news by following us on Twitter and Instagram, at Forever Dog Team, and liking our page on Facebook.